You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along. Today's show is brought to you by Stat Hero, the first ever daily fantasy sports book that gives the player the advantage. Go to stathero.com slash locked on for 300% back on your first play. On today's show, a 12-team college football playoff is coming. Is this a good thing for the SEC? Not necessarily. We will discuss also Super Regionals getting underway today. We will hear from SEC Network's Todd Walker on what to expect, and we will go around the conference as Kevin O'Sullivan is staying at Florida. Texas A&M gets their next baseball coach and much more. I am Chris Gordy. Be sure to follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcast. Use the latest episode of this show as soon as it comes out. All right, let's jump into it. We start today with the latest regarding college football expansion talk. And the college football playoff just took a big step towards expansion. The current four-team format is scheduled to run through the 2025 season, but that could change with a deal uh, prior to it expiring in 2026. Any changes to the college football playoff would not take place until 2023. That is the earliest they can expand, and many believe that's when it will. The college football playoffs management committee has promote, uh, proposed the following expansion to go from four teams, as it currently is, up to 12. The committee's suggested format would have the six highest-ranked conference champions plus the next six highest-ranked uh, teams comprise the 12-team playoff field. So there will be no automatic playoff bids for conference winners in this scenario, but I'm not a big fan of this. I know they're trying to appeal to the teams that win your conference, but there are t- years where the conference champion stinks. For instance, last year, Oregon won the Pac-12 by default, and they stunk. Now, what I do like here is they say the six highest-ranked conference champions. So in a scenario last year, say Cincinnati was the champion of the American Conference, they would move, they would get in ahead of Pac-12 champion Oregon because they were ranked lower. Of course, the SEC champion, the ACC champion, and more than likely or not, the Big 12 and Big 10 champions are likely going to be in more often than not, but... My question is, why not just take the top 12 ranked teams? (laughs) You know, if we look at last year, just going based on the college football playoff rankings, the final ones as they headed into the, you know, the playoffs, it was Alabama 1, Clemson 2, Ohio State 3, Notre Dame 4. We know those four teams. They all made the playoff. Texas A&M was 5. Oklahoma was 6. Florida was 7. Cincinnati was 8. See, in this scenario... Cincinnati would move up because they're a conference champion. Coastal Carolina would move up because they were the Sun Belt champion. Just one of the little things I don't like about this proposal. Uh, the four highest-ranked conference champions, they would receive a bye during the first round of the college playoffs. So in this scenario, for instance, last year, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Notre Dame all would have gotten a bye. Teams ranked 5 through 12 would play in the first round of the playoff on their college campuses with the higher-seeded team getting to host the playoff matchup. So again, if you're going off of just the college football playoff rankings, which again, this isn't what they would use, but 
you know, Texas A&M was the five, they could have theoretically hosted Coastal Carolina. Again, this would change because teams five and six would be conference champions themselves. But that first round, that would happen in the two-week period after the conference title game. So we would have the SEC championship, the Big Ten championship, the Big 12 title game, all that. And then we would have those next two weeks to play out the first round games, five through 12, taking on one another. Following the first round of playoff games, the rest of the playoff would be held at bowl sites. So it kind of sucks if you're a team like Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, or Notre Dame. You worked your butt off to get a top four seed, but you're done playing on your college campus. You're not even going to play at home because you get a first round bye. And then the second round, you're going to maybe the Peach Bowl or maybe to the Outback Bowl. And you're going to play your next opponent there. It's important to note these recommendations do not mean the playoff is officially expanding. Got to let you know that these recommendations will be taken under consideration with upcoming meetings in Chicago on June 17th and 18th and in Dallas on June 22nd. They will uh, make any decisions regarding the playoff expansion then. But a few other things. Uh, The first round games, like we said, would take place on campus sometime during that two-week period. Quarterfinal games will be played on New Year's or the day after New Year's, if New Year's falls on a Sunday. Uh, The semifinal and championship game dates are to be determined, and the semifinals likely would not be played as a doubleheader. Uh, But a few other things. The bracket would remain in effect throughout the playoff, meaning no reseeding. So it's not going to be, oh, well, the lower team won, so let's reseed. No, they just, the bracket would remain how it is. Uh, The working group's charge did not include deciding which bowls might be a part of the college football playoff in the future, but you got to think it's the big dogs, right? It's the ones with all the money. Um, Cotton Bowl, Sugar Bowl, you know, if they're not hosting the championship, all that kind of thing. Uh, All 11 games would be under the college football playoff umbrella with the administrative specifications and the process for selecting the six bowls that would rotate as hosts of the quarterfinals and semifinals still be to be determined few more points there's no real upside to a conference like the sec or even the acc both of which have already put two teams into the field with a four-team model uh notre dame technically counted as an acc school last year question does come up what does notre dame do moving forward the pressure kind of turns on them hey you can get in as an at-large team but you're never going to be hosting uh or getting that first round by rather join the acc and you can win the acc and be a top four team and get a buy. But the main problem many have with this idea is that quarterfinal games would be played at bowl sites, not college campuses. And that means fans will potentially have to travel to three playoff games. Asked about extending travel and how fans would be able to or want to make repeated trips, Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby said, it's a pretty good alternative in your living room if you don't want to travel to the games. Seems like a pretty dumb comment there. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, he had a media conference call yesterday afternoon. He said there's an expectation for automatic access that doesn't work for teams that are highly ranked. 12 is a halfway point between conference champs and highly ranked teams. He also noted that conference champions are more likely to be left out if there's 8 instead of 12. So he, like many others, liked the number of 12. It would be a standard bracket, number 8 versus 9, and so on and so forth. But... uh, Decision could be made. 
by this September for the year 2023 taking effect. Uh, just a few other things. A reminder, Alabama, they have made the college football playoffs six out of seven times. They've been the number four seed, or the number one seed, rather, four times. That's basically already accepted a, a universally with a four-team playoff that Alabama's going to be in every year. Even if they lose a game or two, they're going to be in. Uh, Stuart Mandel of The Athletic tweeted, he said, if you're number one Alabama, the good news is you get a bye. The bad news is you don't get to host a home game. But seats five through eight do. And your fans would have to travel to four straight neutral sites starting with the SEC championship game. So it's not the most perfect system. But lastly, maybe a little bit more optimistic for the SEC, Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports said this could mean good things for the SEC. He said in an eight-team bracket, the SEC would all but be guaranteed two spots annually. But in a 12-team bracket, that number could be three or four SEC teams. And again, the scenario we throw out is last year, Alabama was definitely in. Texas A&M would have been in. Florida would have been in. And probably Georgia. So the SEC probably would have, you know, in this scenario, if the uh, 12-team playoff had happened last year, the SEC likely would have had four teams in there. So we'll see. The discussion will continue. And it will not be a perfect system. But... It'll certainly make the college football season a little bit more interesting, especially the postseason. Coming up next, we'll get into taking a look at some of the Super Regionals, and we'll hear a little bit from Todd Walker from the SEC Network. That's next. Did you guys know 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? Is it really that surprising? Because the game is rigged against you. You are playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts, who have more tools and more time than you do, you don't stand a chance. Introducing Stat Hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you the lineups and dares you to beat them. It is you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. You name your stakes, winner take all, you have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time, Nobody else does that. Go check them out right now. Stat Hero. You are in total control. Stat Hero is DFS the way it was meant to be. One-on-one. Play Stat Hero now, and you can change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Sign up for free. And right now, you can get three times back on your first play. They are giving you a 300% match. That is unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, stathero.com slash locked on. Check them out today. And remind you guys, Built Bar is still the best tasting protein bar ever. What's your favorite Built Bar flavor? Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors? Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. There's something for everyone. Of course, I tell you guys all the time, mint brownie is my favorite. If you haven't tried all the flavors, I recommend go to BuiltBar.com, get a mixed box. You will get two of each of their nine flavors. And not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, they are healthy as well. Many of the flavors are packed. 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, 4 grams sugar, 4 grams net carbs. The summer is here, you guys. You're going to be taking road trips. You're going to be stopping at the 7-Elevens and trying to get snack food. 
stock up on Built Bars. It's such a much better alternative than some of the other junk you might be stopping and getting there. Order today. Get that raspberry or the mint brownie, whatever you like. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the pro- promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. You'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Locked on SEC, roll along here before we get into previewing the SEC teams in the Super Regional starting today. Just a few SEC baseball nuggets from teams not in the Supers. Florida baseball coach Kevin O'Sullivan released a statement yesterday reaffirming his commitment to the Gators. There were reports that LSU was sniffing around on Sully for their head coaching opening with Paul Maneri retiring after this season. Sully said, I am the head coach at the University of Florida and remain fully committed to the Gator program. This is where I want to be, and I do not have interest in the head coaching opening at any other school. I look forward to continuing to build upon the success this program has experienced over the last 14 years with the goal of bringing Florida back to the College World Series and pursue yet another national championship for Gator Nation. Now, over in College Station, the Texas A&M Aggies, they did land their next head uh, baseball coach at TCU's Jim Schlossnagel. Schlossnagel had spent the previous 18 years in Fort Worth, went 41-19 and this past year, and during his reign at TCU, they went to five College World Series, and he became the all-time winningest coach in the program's history with over 730 wins. Schlossnagel said, I am extremely uh, excited to get things started in Aggieland, and I am humbled by this incredible opportunity. With the resources and facilities available at this world-class university, the foundation is here to win championships and make the 12th man a regular visitor in Omaha. And just one other note, uh, speaking of the LSU opening, there was a story from uh, Wilson Alexander at the Advocate in Baton Rouge that former Oregon State coach Pat Casey is unlikely to become LSU's next baseball coach. That was a story that was out there as well. So seeming like no O'Sullivan and no uh, Pat Casey, LSU will be on to whatever their next options are. All right, let's jump into it. Let's take a look at the Super Regionals this weekend. The SEC leads the field with six Super Regional participants. Includes the interconference matchup between 3C Tennessee and LSU, guaranteeing that the conference will have at least one team in the College World Series. Of course, LSU Hall of Fame coach Paul Maneri, his final season, continues as the Tigers won their 25th regional title and will be making their 15th Super Regional appearance. Former big leaguer, now SEC Network analyst Todd Walker, he was on Locked on LSU with Matt Moscona yesterday, previewing some of the SEC Super Regional matchups. So I thought we'd play some of that for you. First up, here's Todd Walker on the Vols pitching rotation, which includes Dallas, Heflin, and Tidwell, and how they match up against the LSU lineup as they get underway tomorrow. They're not elite, Tennessee, but they're very good. Those three you just mentioned, Will Heflin struggled a little bit in the SEC tournament. Uh, the other two threw fairly well. I, I love the top four guys. Uh, well, now I guess five. I always thought Zach Arnold could hit, man. I mean, he's been inserted there to send the lineup out a little bit, give it a little more depth. So he's been hitting in the two-hole in that regional. Um, but with Zach Arnold mixed in with Dugas and Doty and the two, two superstar freshmen, I think they're very good, the first five. And then, you know, it depends on who gets it going, six through nine. Bianco has the, has the ability. And I've always said to win championships, you got to have guys do what you don't expect them to do. So somebody six through nine is going to have to uh, step up, get hot, you know, and, and I think they have a real good chance. The, the biggest difference, as you know, in the Tennessee series early in the year was LSU walked 19 guys in that series. If they throw strikes, they got a chance. 
And that again, Tennessee with a solid rotation. Going to be tough for LSU to beat, but here's Todd Walker on what makes the LSU lineup so tough. Uh, the one thing, I mean, there's a lot to love about Dylan Cruz, and it's what they're teaching the hitters now, is with two strikes, come out of your shoes and swing for the fence. I don't love that uh, as a hitter that was taught the two-strike approach. Um, so I don't think that a lot of it's going to change. They're not going to all of a sudden develop a two-strike approach uh, and, and cut the strikeouts down. But they will compete offensively. You know, if, if a couple strikes out on that two-strike big swing, another guy will hit a home run. So uh, I, I think they'll compete. I think the main deal is what we just said, the walk. Like, you're not going to see LSU staff walk 19 guys in this series. And if they don't, um, they've got a real shot. Remember, this series, they lost all three games with a total of four runs. Yeah. Two run-run games and a two-run game, and that's with putting that many guys on base. Switching to some of the other SEC teams now, number seven seed Mississippi State. They make their 10th Super Regional appearance, and they're the only team to appear in every Super Regional since 2016. The Bulldogs, they will take on Notre Dame in Starkville starting tomorrow. tomorrow. Meanwhile, Ole Miss, they head out to Arizona to take uh, on Arizona and Tucson. Here's Todd on the two Mississippi schools. Ole Miss found some pitchers during the SEC tournament. You know, remember they lost Gunnar Hoagland for the yeah. year, so they've got Doug Casey, which we know is good. But Tyler or Taylor Bridewin out of the bullpen is really good. We know that. But they they got three or four other arms at the start of that rotation that do well in the SEC tournament. So now I think you're less worried about Ole Miss than you would be otherwise. But they're going to Tucson and they're playing Arizona, who hit 330 as a team. I mean, Arizona can swing it, uh, which is unusual for a, a Pac-12 team. Um, so they're the best offensive team in that in that league. So I, I'm interested to see, you know, if Ole Miss can hold them down. But Ole Miss can swing it too. You know, they've got they got three or four guys that can really go. So that's going to be a good one. I don't know how that's going to turn out. And then for Mississippi State, I just had Notre Dame last week. You know, they scored 50 runs in three games, 15 home runs, and that wasn't characteristic. If you look on paper, Notre Dame hit 274 as a team. I think with like 48 home runs on the year, and they took 15 deep in three games. Mm. So. Uh, I don't think they're going to do that to the Mississippi State staff. Mississippi State's got one of the best staffs in the country. They have a little less than 13 strikeouts a game. So they'll get a lot of swing and misses. But that's going to be fun to watch, too. Next up, top-seeded Arkansas. They're staying at home in Fayetteville, playing host to a really good NC State team. Todd Walker asked, can NC State compete with the top team in the nation, the Arkansas Razorbacks? Yes. And that's, uh, that's something else that I've been talking about, too. Everybody thinks it's a foregone conclusion that Arkansas is going to roll through this one. Uh, NC State doesn't pitch it well. I think they got a staff ERA over five, and they're real, real thin on the staff. They lost two really good arms at the beginning of the season, but they can swing it, man. And they're athletic, one through nine, and they can run bases and they get after it. Um, I think they can challenge them. Not so much about you know how good NC State is, which they are, but uh, you worry about Arkansas, who got behind in the the first game is NJIT, you know, the <laughs> right. Institute of Technology. They bring cops in. Uh, then Nebraska beat them once, and then it's one-one in the eighth before they throw a pass ball or two-two, whatever it was, two-two, and they had to get two solo home runs to tie it at two, um, which is what they do. They hit home runs, but if you're limiting the home runs, keeping it in the ballpark, and I don't think NC State can do that, but I think they can bash with them. I think you're going to see some offensive numbers, but absolutely, I think this is going to be a, a battle in Fayetteville. And lastly, Vanderbilt, they have been one of the best teams in the country this year with that dynamic pitching staff, that one-two punch. They're playing host to ECU in Nashville. Here's Todd on that matchup. I don't know much about East Carolina. Uh, I think, again, when you look at uh, Arkansas and Vanderbilt, it's not so much that they're playing. It's, it's, it's their makeup within themselves. Like, are they going to be able to play like they're capable? Kevin Cobbs for Arkansas through 100 
and 90 pitches with that gyro ball he throws. <laughs> so I don't know if he's going to be able to show up, you know, this weekend. So for Vanderbilt, is Kumar Rocker back to elite status? Is Jack Leiter back? They look pretty subpar in the SEC tournament. Uh, you know that team can swing it, but they had some fits in their regional as well. And so I'm not as sold on Vanderbilt and Arkansas as I would have been three weeks ago. They're very good, but they're not like this, you know, just going to blow through everybody type of team anymore. And a reminder, the SEC Network's signature show, SEC Now, they will showcase comprehensive studio coverage of the six SEC baseball teams in the Super Regional action this weekend. Dari Noka and David DeLucci will provide insight and commentary on the school's postseason play all weekend. A few more notes for this weekend. Tennessee's Super Regional Series against LSU sold out in a matter of minutes when tickets went on sale Wednesday morning, but the Vols, they're offering another kind of in-person experience for fans without tickets. On Thursday, AD Danny White announced the Big Orange Block Party, which will be held adjacent to Lindsey Nelson Stadium for the three-game series against LSU. The Vols credited the idea to former Tennessee wide receiver and radio host Jason Swain. The Watch Party event is free for all fans and will feature a live big-screen game broadcast, games for kids, access to concessions. The Watch Party will open at 4.30 Eastern time on Saturday. While Tennessee had as many as 4,000 fans at Lindsey Nelson Stadium for last weekend's regional, the number of tickets made available to the general public on Wednesday was around 500, according to Tennessee's communication department. Tickets were offered first to season ticket holders and then Tennessee fund donors. Another 600 tickets went to LSU, as required by the NCAA, and another 300 were set aside as free tickets for Tennessee students. Tickets are nearly impossible to come by. Many have already started to show up on the secondary marketplace, mark up to $500. And apparently the diehard Tennessee fans that tried to call in and acquire tickets never got through to the ticketing office. So an option there for some of the Vol fans who can't be in the stadium. And lastly, just some of the odds out there to win the College World Series this year. Arkansas is the SEC favorite at plus 180. Vandy is at plus 150. Tennessee plus 600. Mississippi State is plus 1,200. And some of the longer odds, you can get Ole Miss at 22 to 1 and LSU at 33 to 1. So they have it going to be an awesome, fun weekend of college baseball across the SEC. And I'll be watching as many games as possible with the tablets going with multiple games going on at one time. When we come back, we are going to go around the conference. That's next. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all of it at betonline.ag. Get the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting news and needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, UFC, everything. Before the next game, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all their great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest info. Head to their website right now. You can even do so on your mobile device. It's that easy. Sign up today and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50%. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as the NBA playoffs continue. MLB season rolls on. BetOnline.ag. They are BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Head over there right now. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. And you will get that 50% welcome bonus when you sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Our final segment here on Locked On SEC. We got a lot we got to get into. 
good number of football tidbits, among other things. So let's uh, let's just jump into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the Around the conference. Former Ole Miss linebacker Jacquez Jones, he is staying in the SEC after leading Ole Miss in tackles last year. Jones has made the decision to leave Lane Kiffin's program, and he is heading to Lexington, Kentucky to play for Mark Stoops and the Kentucky Wildcats. Mark Stoops said in a statement, we are thrilled to add Jacquez to our team. He's an experienced playmaker who's been a great leader in our league. Kentucky's newest linebacker has two seasons of eligibility remaining at the collegiate level. He comes to Kentucky after making 33 total appearances in his college career, 19 starts, started nine games for Ole Miss last year, and led the team with 75 tackles. Over at LSU, Coach Ed Ogeron is really excited about bringing in former Arkansas assistant Brad Davis to coach the offensive line at LSU. Coach O said this week, Brad is a game changer for us, great addition to our staff. Excited to have him come home to be an LSU Tiger. He's a proven offensive line coach. It gives us another tremendous recruiter on the staff as well. Prior to serving as the O-line coach at Arkansas, Davis served as Barry Odom's O-line coach at Missouri, and he also has experience coaching the position at Florida. In addition this week, Coach O was asked about the possibility of his stud defensive back Derek Stingley Jr. playing on offense this year. And O said they could line up Stingley at receiver. He said, quote, that's up to him. We've discussed that. He may try a little offensive fall camp. We'll see how it works. Obviously, we'd like to use him, but that's totally up to him. I gave him that opportunity, and him and his dad agreed. He spent two years playing cornerback. He is ready. So something to keep an eye on this fall at LSU. Over at College Station, the depth of Texas A&M's Defensive backfield is taking a hit as senior DB Elijah Blades announced on Thursday he has entered the NCAA transfer portal. Blades last appeared on the field for the Aggies back in 2019, made the decision to opt out last season. Following his decision to opt out, he had planned to leave college for the 2021 draft, but he later changed his mind and took part in spring practice with the Aggies this spring. But he is on the move once again. Once Blades earns his undergraduate degree, he said he plans on transferring as a graduate so we'll see where he ends up. Two weeks ago, it was reported that Missouri defensive back Chris Mills was no longer listed on the Tigers roster, and now Rivals is reporting the veteran DB has entered the transfer portal. Chris Mills is a Texas native, was a three-star prospect back in 2018. He appeared in six games last year for Missouri, recording only a handful of tackles, so we'll see where he goes. In recruiting news, Nashville high school prospect Jacob Hood, he announced this week he's limited his choices down to five schools, including Auburn, Georgia, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Miami. Hood is a three-star recruit listed as the number 41 offensive tackle prospect for 2022. He's a Tennessee native. He does have an offer from the Vols, including LSU, A&M, and Kentucky, but none of them were listed in his top five schools. Over at Vanderbilt, new head coach Clark Lee held a team meeting this week discussing the importance of this year for his program, and in the middle of the presentation, he surprised senior DB Camden Coleman, senior punter Harrison Smith, and sophomore linebacker Michael Spender putting all three on scholarship. Clark Lee said on Twitter, few people understand the journey of a walk-on player, but I do. There aren't three more deserving people in all of college football. And lastly, Alabama, they continue to add to their program's future schedule as they have just announced a new home-and-home series in years to come. Alabama is set to face Boston College on the road, and then they 
welcome the Eagles to Tuscaloosa for a return trip. Go ahead and mark these dates on your calendar. The series up in Massachusetts will take place on September 13th, 2031, with Boston College scheduled to make the return trip to Tuscaloosa in 2034. So just for context, if you're a 35-year-old Alabama fan currently, you'll be 48 years old by the time Boston College comes to Tuscaloosa. little context there for you. And Alabama and Boston College, they have not met on the field since the 1984 season. As for more recent matchups, Bama will begin a home-and-home series next year, 2022, versus Steve Sarkeesian and the Texas Longhorns. And there you have it. That is around the conference. A loaded weekend, tons of stuff going on. I hope you guys have a lot of fun. If you're a fan of one of the SEC schools playing in Super Regionals, best of luck to your team. Hope you enjoy it. Let's get as many SEC teams to Omaha as possible. And I want to remind you guys, you can get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Chris Gordy. Talk to you guys on Monday, recapping Super Regional action, bringing you some football notes, and much more. Have a great weekend, everybody.